Welcome to the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast, where we talk strength training, science, and all things performance for cyclists and triathletes, helping you be a stronger, more savvy athlete now and for many years to come. Here's your host, Menachem Brody. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 155 of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast. This week, I sat down and spoke with Stephen Moody of Smart Endurance Solutions. Stephen has been coaching for over 20 years in the world of triathlon, as well as is the 2017 Ireland Triathlon Coach of the Year. We're going to talk about a really pair of important or a pair of really important um, topics. Number one is communication between the athlete and coach and building that relationship for better results. And the second is how triathletes can do a better job of their off-season, so to speak. And Stephen has some really great gems in here. Um, You can really tell that there's a lot of coaching experience here, and he does a fantastic job uh, of helping really connect it for each of us at the level that we're at. Now, we also got into a topic, and that is getting back into a regular training rhythm with this new hybrid work model, something that a lot of us are experiencing with uh, one partner or both of you being at home, working half the time from home and half the time from the office. And while it may seem like it's giving you a lot of freedom, how it creates different obstacles and challenges that hadn't been present before Corona and the lockdowns, as well as the hybrid method. Now, we're going to leave you at the end of this podcast with a number of easy to incorporate take home uh, and implicate methods to help you get better results, whether you are working with a coach or are self-coached. But before we get into the podcast, let's do a quick update of what's been going on here at HVT HQ. Steven, welcome to the show, man. Hey, how are you? Thanks very much for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you guys. And I'm excited to have you here. Uh, from what I understand, uh, up here in uh, Wicklow, you guys just got dumped on by snow. So your weekend workout wasn't on Zwift or in the weight room, but it was uh, shoving out the drive. No, exactly. And it was the first time I've had 100% su- uh, support from my girlfriend and said, yeah, out you go. And you work those uh, those glutes, those quads and those biceps. And I was shoveling an awful lot of snow and ice and all the rest. But uh, no, good. Just means you don't get too much out in the bike, though, for the next while. Zwift will be my go-to for the next couple of weeks anyhow. And isn't that such a shift from where we were just, what, 10 years ago, like when Zwift was fledgling? I remember the CompuTrainer. I think you were uh, also coaching back then. That was the big thing. You know, it was like 3000 bucks, and uh, you had this, and they had the digital. Uh, how have you found in your coaching business, you know, having um, Zwift as a part of the, the training process has helped um, those you coach to be able to see better results. Yeah, no, uh, to be honest, it, I'm even going further back. I remember getting guys doing spinnervals. You had a DVD and you got, I like, and it was actually quality. Um, no, Zwift has been a bit of a revelation for, especially with COVID and all the rest of when we had a lot of indoor stuff, but it was also a big learning curve for me as a coach. I had to, like, I remember when the first guy says, look, can we do this on Zwift? They're going to Watopia this week. And I was going, I, I, again, you, you sort of nod. Yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. And I had to deep dive into it. Um, but now I, I find it's, it's, a, it's a great tool for keeping athletes dialed in. Um, I, and the, the, for the structured workouts you, you can build in training peaks that they just upload, it 
takes a lot of thinking out of it. And 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 when you go to your smart trainer, your Yahoo kicker, la la la, your walk bike, it's just there. It makes life easy for the athletes. So it's been a, a really massive tool for me as a, a coach just to get the numbers dialed in with guys and also just make sure that they they that it's time efficient for them. They don't have to mess around with putting also the the old turbos we had to put the skewer in and you had to and the, the, we're doing it in the kitchen getting it set up and all the rest so no it's it's been great um and also for me as an athlete i i just i love it as well and i kind of jumped in there uh just with the snow i i, I kind of cruised over but you've been coaching for what 23 22 and a half years at this point with uh smart endurance solutions is that correct yeah, around. And we're gonna we're gonna compress it a little bit because otherwise, twenty three sounds like I'm really old. And um, as I said, <laughs> I like to say twenty, and then I just I just kind of like airbrush out the extra three years. So yeah, no, I've been coaching for around twenty years, um, and uh, kind of fell into it by accident. I was one of the guys in the triathlon club who was into data, into the equipment, and our our coach had to go off and get married, and therefore left us our little training group. And the guys went, look, you seem to ask ask all the questions. You seem into the data. How about we are we listen to you? And then three people went with me. Three became six the next year. The guys got PBs. Six became nine and la, la, la. And then eventually I had to kind of uh, having the conversation with the girlfriend. As I, 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 think I, I think I prefer this than the corporate stuff I'm doing. And I had to, yeah, so then I went full time. So you went full time then what, in 2014, 2015? Is that right? Around that, um, I, I I used to dabble a little bit still in consultancy at the time. As in, uh, for my sins, I was a soulless IT consultant where I used to, um, but yeah, no. So, but when I went full full time, as in when I cut off all the ties, um, it was around the year before COVID. Um, when I, as I said, I, I, you always as a consultant, you can always go back and do a little bit of IT work here for three months. But I look, went to the girlfriend, look, I really enjoy the coaching. And she said, right, let's just go for it. And uh, and uh, as she said, what's the worst that could happen? Now, <laughs> I mean, anytime she says that, I'm going to say a global pandemic. Let's not do it then. <laughs> but uh, we look, the, the, we did, I went 100% full time and COVID hit and all the rest. It was an interesting time. But I, in, for me, I came out the other side actually stronger with the number of one, uh, one-to-one clients, my training plan sales and stuff like that. So if you can survive a pandemic when you're essentially selling a luxury good which coaching is you've got a good product and so yeah so that's that's been me and i haven't looked back on the it consultancy world since i'm pretty sure that some projects have broken since i left but i hate that one. i wasn't well not my fault and they don't know where i am i'm on my bike or out running <laughs> that's it i am outdoors well it's not just about the 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 coaching um business itself it's about the coach right and that's one of the things that i think is very unique we, we were just talking before you hit record about how uh you now are working with uh two assistant coaches and um how much that has added to your value that you and your team bring to the athletes you coach one-on-one what what is the process like when we look at a coach as an athlete you know if you were to take a step back and, and say these are the two or three things i experienced as an athlete that helped me become a better coach what would those two or three things be yeah, no, it's a really good question. For me, um, as an athlete, I, I had various coaches and like there were certain things that they did well and certain things that they didn't do well. And I tried to live on that experience. I always wanted someone, a coach that's going to communicate well as an, and ask me the questions to make sure the plan or the program is tailored for me rather than a cookie cutter one. So communication is key. Um, 
keeping me accountable um, is also massively important for me as an athlete and me as a coach. I, I think you need to have that um, expectation. If you start skipping a load of sessions, your coach is going to gonna go, look, what's up? Is the program not right or are you is there stress? And again, that the communication goes, look, a lot of stuff going on at work. Can we make this a recovery week? I'll make it up. And you can work with that. So um, really good communication, uh, trying to understand um, what an athlete's about um, and accepting that we're not all full-time pros. We have lots of things going on. So you have to be flexible and work with them. So they're the things that myself and my assistant coaches really kind of zone in on. <clears throat> Excuse me. That if... And again, it's it's from that experience of being an athlete, knowing what you want out of a coach and making sure that we bring that. Um, and because, as I said, everyone can throw, um, like you could throw a, an 18, 20 week, uh, it was a training week at someone that's not going to work. And that's absolutely useless. Whereas you go, look, what is, what's your skeleton week? Like what day do you have to bring the kids to soccer? What day do you, what days can you get to the pool? What day do you want to swim at the club these days? Yes, I can. And you make it work for them. And then they get the results. They tell their friends and the whole thing grows. It's great. And you mentioned communication with that. It, it seems like that is one of the drivers for uh, starting up your YouTube channel, which has uh, been going pretty well here the last couple of months. Um, you're doing, I think, twice a week uploads, Mondays and Thursdays, if I'm not mistaken. So you're really taking these common questions that you've heard over the 20 plus years of coaching and and looking to help more athletes, what has that process been like to, to make those into videos as opposed to one-on-one -on -one conversations? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm big into my YouTube channel, as all my friends will attest to. Like, and I, I I stumbled into YouTube, as I, was, as I said, I get a lot of questions about things. And I actually started making them into videos. And I was sort of going, look, here you go. And, and people go, actually, that was, that was cool. It's cool to actually see you explain it. And I went, actually, okay, looked into YouTube. And um, the, I'm enjoying it as a, a little mini project where I'm trying to grow the the actual sort of make it as scalable as possible. So, yes, if I email one athlete with a question, um, there's I know that there's probably around 10, 20 athletes with that same question. I went, okay, cool. I put it up on my YouTube channel and I get likes and all the rest. Um, it's been a bit of a learning curve as well as in, um, <laughs> my friends. And some athletes and, and other people are not are not shy in telling me when I'm going wrong. Like so they go, look, the content was really good, but we did not need to see the video up your nose. And I went, okay, good point. <laughs> and so and and like the audio was bad, you could fix that. So you're constantly fixing it, but it's a bit of fun. Um, I'm enjoying some of the content. I've got a little an editor an editor with me now who actually kind of helps me bring a bit of uh crack, as we call it, in Ireland, into it. So I'm getting the content across and um and then I love the People were like, oh, that was cool. Could you do a a, a video on the best 70.3s for first-timers in Europe? And I'm like, that's a cool idea. I have to do some research, have to pull it together and then make it a bit of fun. So I'm really enjoying it. Um, will I ever become a Mr. Beast and be retiring on my YouTube income? Absolutely not a chance. But will I have a lot of fun doing this? Definitely. It's funny. I just watched uh, the video on his his net worth is technically, you know, I think like two billion dollars or something, but he actually has nothing. He just spends it all on making videos like and he's a very unique specimen, kind of like uh, the the amateur athlete who comes to you who's got, you know, the right distance. They've got the right mentality. They're at the right point in life. You know, somebody comes to you like, I want to do really well at 70.3. You're like, oh, all right, well, you're you're 21, accomplished runner, accomplished swimmer. OK, we can do this. And it's kind of, you know, when you watch him put the videos together, 
um, it's just like having that great athlete, right? And it's really hard to actually think of someone can actually do that. It's that skill that, that um, it seems like a gift, if you will. But he talks about since he was five or six, how he would study the YouTube uh, videos that went viral. And he's been doing this then he's what, 19? So yeah. 10, 11 years, that's all he did. What's interesting to me is, you know, looking at YouTube, it seems like there's so much more information out there, but but the challenge for a lot of athletes, especially now, of understanding who's bringing that information and, and where are they coming from to share that. And I think you do a really nice job on your YouTube channel of uh, not talking down to people, but but being very open and forthright. And, you know, you're mentioning athletes you're working with. How have you found that to build that relationship between you and the athletes that are either taking your training plans uh, pre-made off of the training peaks or your one-on-one has that helped build into that relationship has it changed the relationship at all um i think it's improved the relationship i have with the one to as uh, the with the guys in the training plans because i do get a lot of feedback said thanks for answering that question i saw the video on the transition bags it made a lot of sense i wasn't nervous so definitely there and 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 as, it, as someone said, it's just good to see what you look like. As in, like you know, and you you can see, you know, you you know what you're, you're you're confident about what you're talking about, rather than just a blank email. And you don't know whether that's coming from a bot or whatever. So definitely making the connection there, which is great. The one to one guys, I don't really um, use it too much with those. Although I do like to add time to interview some of my more successful athletes, or just um, athletes have come through a specific journey, like if they've gone from just a sprint distance triathlon to a seventy dot three and had it and. But it's also about the timing. You really need to literally catch them the day after where they're completely buzzing endorphins. And then, and you, you just, the energy just jumps off the screen. And I'm sort of going, this is awesome. So, um, yeah, I, mainly with the, the training plan users, it's been great. I haven't really figured out what the what, how to really maximize the impact with the one-to-one guys. Or if there is an angle there, maybe as more interviews. But again, that's part of the, the discovery of this whole YouTube journey I'm on, which I'm enjoying. That's awesome, man. And and there's so much that that we can teach. And the reason I wanted to go down there is uh, there's a lot of information out there. I think that you do a really great job, again, of presenting it very well. Um, but also you have a, a, a breadth of knowledge. And one of the things that I think is important, especially now in the off season, is finding good resources. Um, if you're self-coached or following a training plan, or even if you're on Zwift or Trainer Road, whatever it may be, you still need to have those good resources to help you to be able to succeed. When we look at the off season, Steve, what would you say are two or three, I guess, trends or, or recurring themes that you see with individuals who do well building into the next season? Yeah, no, it's, uh, off season is a funny time for triathletes because you've obviously just come off uh, kind of and they're literally buzzing from they've done their A race and they're sort of going, OK, I made that. And they're they're afraid of taking downtime and they're afraid of losing fitness. So there's this irrational fear that I'm going to, if I take two, three weeks off, it's going to, I'm going to forget how to swim. I'm going to forget how to bike. My FTP is going to plummet. And it, it's not helpful. Like, like some of the tech we have, like Garmin, Training Peaks, they're great, but they feed into this fear, like as an, oh my God, Garmin told me it was unproductive. I went, okay. So for the me, the guys who are very successful um, season on season, and it's that consistency year on year, are the ones who do just go, look, and they, and I agree with them. Um, I don't want to see you for three, four weeks. Off you go. And I said, if you go for a run, I want the watch off. I want mindful running. I don't want you worrying about heart rate. I don't want you worrying about power in the bike. So 
the ones who can actually switch off and the ones who actually do rest um, and also do other things as in like they like I'm going to try mountain biking this off season. So cool. Let me know how it goes. And um, we might even catch up for a spin. That sounds great because they are the ones who come back mentally refreshed and mentally is massive. A lot of people go, Oh no, I'm fit. it's the, you've got to have your mind focused because otherwise it's just training, 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 goal, training, training, training. You've got to reward yourself for a bit of time. They come back physically refreshed. And they come back with new ideas. Said, Listen, the mountain biking, it was great. I felt much stronger and said, Grant, you know what? We will, every second ride in our long ride, we'll have it a three-hour mountain bike instead of just on the road bike. Let's build up the power that way. So, yeah, the ones who just are not afraid of taking downtime and they're the more experienced athletes or I have to communicate that you do not lose fitness overnight. And even if we do lose fitness, our base is still there because we've been doing this for two, three years. And they come back and go, I am... And the ones who come back and go, I'm dying to get training. I went, no, 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 I'll give you another week. And they're literally <laughs> like a coiled spring. And they hit the ground running. They, they're dying to do their first FTP test. They're dying to do their first run test. They went, okay. And then they have just launched themselves into good, consistent, solid training. And they're the ones, as you know yourself, the, the, they'll get consistent. The results will come. And it's interesting how much of a, a struggle that is. Uh, two of the track athletes came back. Uh, from one finished fifth and the other finished ninth, uh, or excuse me, 12th in the world. And wow. the challenge that they had, I mean, both are, are great kids. I've seen them, you know, twice a week for the last year and a half, essentially, except for the summer when they're traveling. And I think that there's, it's a rational fear, right? So it, it's, I've worked so hard for this and it, it's, it's illogical that we as coaches know that it's illogical but it's allowing the athlete to go through that process of accepting like you can only be there and, and asking them open-ended questions and letting them uh, describe how a week before, you know, Steve had kind of a uh, different Steve had pulled back and, and said, we're supposed to do this training together, but we're going to do this today instead, or we're done there. And they go, uh, the description was, um, Alon was like, you know what, the week before I could hit rap, rap, and then that was it. But the week of it was rap, 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 holy cow, I got more. And that excitement and then the realization after of, oh, I only got there because I took a year to ramp up and I needed to be fresh and letting them go through that. But it has to be the athlete's process. And that's where, in my opinion, and, and please tell me if I'm wrong, it's we're being fed so much by well-meaning you know, journalists and articles like you got to do this, you got to do that. But just taking the off season and making it I have nothing structured. Instead of going out for a bike or a run, maybe I'll sleep in for three hours or sit in bed and play on Facebook or play, uh, what's that one, that Wordle, whatever it is. Yeah. How do you help your athletes kind of come to that realization? Do you have those conversations with them after? And, and you know, like you said, the endorphins are buzzing. Do you come back to it a week later and then kind of get a sense of where they are and guide them? Or do you let them go through that process on their own? Well, well, first off, by the way, congratulations on those two results in the track. That's amazing. And I'm completely taking credit as Steve, who came either fifth or twelfth in the world. But I, I, I can live with that. It's been quite a time since I've been a sprinter. But um <laughs> no, the uh yeah, with the with the athletes, it, it depends on what the journey they're with me. I've got some athletes who've been with me for like 10, 12 years. So they know the gig. Um, but I also try to use them as as examples to other athletes and I go like, oh no. And it's like your kind of your example there. Someone's just finished fifth in the world. And they go, I got, I got so close. I just, 
I just need to push on and then I'm in the podium. And no, actually, you need to take the foot off the gas. So I go to, look, there's Anthony. He's, um, you know, he won the National Series duathlon championships. Anthony, what did we do in uh, in December? Well, nothing. You told me to leave the watch at home. I, it wouldn't let me on. And I was going bananas and said, and what happened? And, I, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, we did a really big start this season. So I used those. But it's it, but as you said, it's the athlete has to own that decision. Because I, I, I'm not watching them. I'm, I don't have like webcam set up that they're going out and I'm, I'm in their ear like, hang on, what are you doing? What are you getting on the turbo? Big brother Steve. <laughs> that's, a, that's a completely different price point in my coaching. Um, <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure it's illegal. But the... So they need to understand it. And when it, it, it's always tentative, as you said, they, they, once they do it and they get over the kind of the the um, the guilt. And as you said, it's also the articles. They go like, oh, you should be doing this. You'll be doing that. And I said, no, you know what? Try not reading anything triathlon, right? Try in a different book. Um, Blaspheme. <laughs> I know. Maybe maybe it's a, a different sport. They're reading about uh, what you call it, boxing. They can read about other sports. Um, but that's it. And it... it it, there's always resistance at the start, but they they get into it and they go and they they. It's only when they've gone through a full cycle they understand the benefits. So I can't push it, but I do point at other examples. And I have a lot of evangelists in my in my squad, and they go, like, "No, no, yeah." <laughs> and they, like trust Coach Steve on this. He, I hated it. I hated doing this, and actually, I felt much better. So uh, yeah, and. But there is always resistance, and I, I always laugh. And it's the same, same arguments and the same. And I said, I've had this conversation 15, 16 years, lads. I know what I'm doing. Like what you're hearing? Hit subscribe and leave us a review. If you're enjoying this conversation with Steve and Moody about coaching and building your relationship with your coach, and you're thinking you'd like to work one on one with a coach, I'm opening up a couple spots here for 2023. If you're interested, go ahead and email me, bsandboyrodsanddogie at humanvortextraining.com. That's brody at humanvortextraining.com. Now let's get back to part two of our conversation with Stephen Moody of Smart Endurance Solutions. So it sounds like you mentioned you have athletes 10 to 12 years. So it sounds like you've really built a really strong community uh, high value for the athletes, also high value for yourself. It's very clear you're enjoying what you're doing. Uh, very clear there's a passion there. When you're looking at triathlon for 10 to 12 years and having guys and gals healthy for that long, there are a lot of bumps in the road. So how do you, as a coach, kind of level when those come along or when the athlete says, uh, oh, by the way, you know, Coach Steve, I signed up for the 70.3 uh, and this 100-mile gravel ride. Oh, by the way, I also did this uh, other 70.3 as a tune-up before my Ironman. How do, you, how do you pull the athlete back from going a little bit too too much? Yeah, I look, there's always enthusiasm. And again, it's when the, the guys are new in the squad, they, 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 you tend to have this. But we're, we're kind of clear as, a, as a, a coaching team that you don't book any races until you have a conversation with us. And But we're also going to look, we're not here to ruin your fun. We're trying to maximize your results. And um, if you can, so we always sort of sit down and if, and if there are people who've already booked in things that go, look, actually, that doesn't make sense. Can you defer that? We will have those conversations, but you're trying to discuss with them. So look, and you're trying to explain, get the, the logic over and said, okay, look, that's a 70.3 tune up race doing the air quotes thing. Um, but it's before three weeks before your A race. Um, 
remember that you're going to have to taper in that. That will be around the same time. We should have some big sort of training weeks where we're hitting race pace numbers. And there's going to be like seven, eight days recovery minimum after that. And then we're into taper. So do you, which what's your A race and what do you really want to get out of this season? And they go, okay, actually, you're right. I'll defer that race. So we try to talk them through the process and kind of educate them as well why we're doing it. We're not here as the fun police. We're not going, sorry, it's only 70.3 cork and you can stuff whatever suddenly to Luxembourg. But what you want to be when you go up, and I'd use that in a, a bit tongue in cheek as to like, what makes your year, what at the end of the year, and you look back, what is a successful year for you? And you go, I want to go under five and a half hours in 70.3 cork. Okay. If you try to do that, 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 you won't get there. You'll get meh, six hours here, six there. Is that going to make you happy? Go, oh no, okay. So we work with them. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to take away the enthusiasm. If someone turns around and says, look, I really want to do that gravel race. I said, cool, let's find, I can change things around that, but we can't do all of it. So it's a little bit of a trade-off, but trying to just suddenly, and take that enthusiasm, take that passion, and we pour it into training. If you want if you want a hard 100K ride, I'll give you that, but at the right point in the plan, and we'll, and we'll give you targets. If you hit that, that'll be our own little personal race, but it's in the program. It's and you turn around and you're happy out. So how do you find, you know, because we're now talking about the off season, right? So everything is is based around we're having the conversation of how last year went. They have that enthusiasm. Um, they're signing up for these events. Uh, they mean well. Uh, we don't know what we don't know. Or oftentimes we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10 years. How do you build the relationship around that? Because in both instances, you're having to pull the athlete back. And for someone who's new to coaching or, or maybe their second or third year that had a really good event, we often fall into this trap of more is more. So Steve, I want to do more. I, I want to do another event this year. How do you walk that, that tightrope of building that relationship with the athlete while simultaneously pulling back on that, that more mentality and also simultaneously on let's push that event to another year and we'll make that a better part of the plan or work better for you. Yeah, no, again, it, it comes back to that sort of goal setting uh, conversation. But athletes are rolling over as in like you, you have your kind of end of season review and you go, okay, right. What worked really well? What can we tweak? And you go, well, actually we, we nailed the A race. And I said, okay, well, let's think about that. And it's kind of, as I said, helping them think through the process. Because why do you think we nailed that? Well, actually we had a really good taper I had the I did the Olympic as a kind of B race beforehand, and I and I felt my my race pace numbers were good, and I felt good in the water, but that was in a nice time. I said, okay, cool. So we'll repeat some of that, but um, and then you said, then you just go when you're doing the goal setting for the next year, you go, okay, so let's the taper worked well. You're happy with an eight day taper, and we and we the B races for an Olympic were good around that time. Let's try to simulate simulate that. But also, what else do we need to up the game in? What we want to, we want to get a faster bike split because you want to get on the your age group podium. So we need a bit more biking here, or let's actually put in some uh, some sportives that we kind of and you tweak it with them. That you're not only are you learning from what they've done, but you're trying to, to extrapolate where can we eke out the next level, or or it might be just a year that they just want to try something new for fun. You go can't. And it's it's all what they want to do. And at the same time, you're kind of framing their expectations. You go, actually, by the way, you're not too far off going to 
to Kona or stepping up to Ironman distance if you do this? Is that of interest? And they go, actually, that'd be great. And you have those, it's those kind of two-way conversations where you figure out what they want to do and what you need to do as a coach to help them get there. Awesome. So very much an athlete-centered uh, approach to this as opposed to, you know, looking at this is where you are in your development. We're going to do this, this, this. Really still allowing the athlete to lead the, the process. Yeah, absolutely. And you also have to remember, like, things, other things are going on in their life, as in, like, they sort of go, I'd love to do an Ironman year, but you also go, okay, well, all right, what's going on next year that, you know, we're, we're moving house or we're expecting our second kid. And you go like, I put, I'll put up flags and go, look, that's, you know, there's a lot of time involved in here. And you, you, well, you need to involve your support squad. And if your heavily pregnant wife is sort of looking at you and you're going out, where are you going? I'm going for a six hour bike. I'll see you. Can you have lunch ready when I'm back? <laughs> that's not going to work. So this, you have to take into account other factors, not only their athletic goals, but the, and their athletic ability, but what's going on. And and I have that experience and my, my team have that experience to go, we tried doing this when we were moving house. It was a really bad idea. Was, no one enjoyed it. We, we had a bad result and there was, everyone was stressed and it nearly meant me giving up triathlon. So let's pick what's right for you as well. Um, but And you could have those, as you said, you open-ended conversations. you got to go, well, you know, what do you, what what else is going on that might affect this? Are you studying? And and they kind of come to that realization because I, I could turn around and say, listen, no, you are not doing that Ironman. And then they go, well, actually, no, no, stuff you, <laughs> coach, I'm doing it. But you go, you should, these are things you think about. Think about the time. Think about what's involved and what would make you happy out of an Ironman race. You're happy just to get over the finish line or do you want to finish in your age group? La, la, la. And again, as you said, athlete-centered uh, athlete um, to make sure that they get the best outcome and they have a bit of fun doing it, the way forward. I find there's a, there's two camps for triathlon. It's either right after their A race, they're looking for the next year, or if they do like August, September, they kind of piddle around a little bit. And then around Christmas, New Year's is when they, quote unquote, in their words, not mine, they get serious again. <laughs> How do you bridge that gap and help them understand like those three or four months are so important for you because that's your foundation. You know, it's it's nice to have fun, but that now they're taking that off season unstructured too far. How do you guide them through that? Because you don't want to push them too hard at the wrong time, but at the same time, you also want to give them the opportunity to learn by doing, just not get too far off the path, right? We don't want to get lost in the daisies up the hill on the other side of the second mountain. <laughs> we just, let's just go into the, the field over here, just off the path. It's a good, it's a good point. Athletes are very unique animals and especially triathletes you sort of go all they need is a small little target and they'll get very focused and you go like so even if it's a case of no that's cool as in you want to have a little bit of a easy light training okay but I'll tell you what will we put in maybe this uh half marathon at the end of it just you know keep you ticking over and then like suddenly they go half marathon okay what's my pb in my half marathon okay i want to go under 145 and then suddenly it's a case of okay yeah i can we I, I was happy with the run load last but can we put in another run and i said yeah okay no it's fine I'm, but we'll move back to and we'll add in a bit more speed work here go yeah yeah that'd be great and suddenly even just having that one it's not even a beagle. It's just a an arbitrary goal. The coaches drop in and suddenly the, their minds are focused because not only are they doing it, their training buddies done it, their race nemesis, uh, uh, John is doing it. I have to beat John. John's never beat me. I said, okay, we might need to hit a, a bit more mileage. Are you okay? Absolutely, absolutely. Hit me, coach. <laughs> 
Absolutely love it. So letting the intrinsic uh, motivation become extrinsic and, and kind of guiding them that way. That's fantastic. Um, what have you found ha has been the biggest challenge for you in the off season or working with triathletes the last three years since Corona? Because uh, it seems like the mentality towards our sport has shifted a little bit since the, the pandemic shut down. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people, the ones who came out stronger from uh, COVID were the ones who maintained the structure and the rhythm, which was very difficult for a lot of people because suddenly, you know, instead of driving to the pool on the way to work and you can get that in and then or having a lunchtime run, you're working from home and and you say the wife is saying, where are you going? As in like the two kids are here. Said, well, no, I always do my tempo run at lunchtime. So a lot of people lost their routines and their rhythm. And it's actually now, and now a lot, most people have, are no longer straight back in the office. So they're working on a hybrid model. It's now finding the new routines. Um, I found a lot of people obviously came back as slightly weaker swimmers um, and also slightly overestimated themselves as cyclists because they'd been on Zwift too much. Now, as I started the, the conversation, I do love Zwift. I love it as a tool. I love smart trainers. But I think if you become too uh, reliant on it, people sort of go, um, oh, no, I was holding 35K an hour in Watopia. So that's fine, mate. You're now on a road in Dublin. How are you handling it? <laughs> you know, and it's took me for 27K. Um, so it's, yeah, it's helping people find a new rhythm, find a new routines, and also just, a, a, again, it's like, it's emerging from a, a, a cave a little bit, but more important that you have to go back, what are my weaknesses now and what do I need to focus on? And how do we do that? So again, and some people's weaknesses became exasperated, like the swim became worse. <laughs> um, and it's a case of, look, I know you didn't like getting in the pool beforehand, but now we've got to get in the pool three times a week if we want to make progress. And it's those little battles years ago, because do you want to be coming out of the water 10 minutes down on the competition? Do you think you can catch that in the bike and the run? And they go, oh, actually, okay, I'd prefer to only come out five minutes down and work with them on that way. You mentioned finding new new routines. I think that that's that really sums up the challenge overall because we all, as human beings, we tend to confirmation bias. I mean, there's a whole slew of biases, but a lot of it has to do with we compare what was to what is right now, right? So this work from home thing, um, that's a, a rhythm that I've also found because everybody thinks it's so much easier. And I'm sitting here looking at the plans every week. Well, you have this and that's way harder that is not easier like, like you're mentioning the kid one kid's home the other parent is working from home the other one's in the office how have you helped your athletes to embrace these new routines and and really dive in head first as opposed to going but 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 but, but steve we we were doing just twice in the pool before and the second one was only 30 minutes it was only scale but now you're saying how do you help your athletes uh evolve and grow to embrace the new routines as being the path ahead for them now versus what worked once before. Yeah, well, it's mainly sort of working with them in terms of highlighting what they're trying to get out of it. And um, you'll work back on, okay, what's we're, what we're trying to do. We're trying to make you a stronger Olympic uh, triathlete. So like, you, we need to get your, your 40K time trial back up. So, and they have to tell me what the new restrictions and constraints are. So they go, look, I can't get, I can only get to the pool these days. I have to take the kids and go, fine, but I need, and I'll work with them. I, I need whatever kind of three bike sessions this week. And you need to tell me where it's going to happen. And I'll, I'll, I'll work with you on that. And even though 
their routines have changed, the goals may not have. And it's how you slot in those training blocks to hit those goals. And I said, look, you don't worry about the science. I'll worry about the, the way we're going to progress you. And I'm going to build up the volume and I'm going to build up your VO2. I'm going to build up your FTP. But I need these chunks of time. You tell me where and I'll put them in. And then I've got the science back, the back it up that I'm not going to smash your legs in a run session the night before and then give you a hard bike session the morning after because you're going to underperform and you're going to be disappointed. So it's again about that communication piece where I said it's hard. Let them tell me what the new reality is. Let me apply the science and structure to actually get the most out of them of that. And also, there's another point as well you're making as well that their routines have changed as an and they're also no longer a 30 year old uh, was it in their early 30s and they didn't have two kids and all the rest. So looking back at the previous the historical data, you sort of go, OK, but that's when you could give me a 12 hour training week. You can't anymore. We're looking at eight and that's fine because otherwise you're getting divorced and we don't want that. Um, and, and you said, but I, I know how to adjust the levers to get the most out of those eight hours for you for a 40 year old man with whatever two kids. And you need to trust me on that. And they and and the ones who do buy in and do trust and they do they get the consistent sessions they get the numbers, they see the results. And I've got guys doing PBs at all sorts of distances later on. They went wow, and we're training less. I said yeah because I'm increasing the intensity of the. You've got a forty minute run session on a, a Tuesday. I maximize what I can get out of that. But again, communication that leads to consistency leads to the results. So let's let's wrap up the the conversation today with with it's a little bit of a tough question, but I, I think it sounds to me like you have a, a great perspective here for the self coached athletes out there, the self coached triathletes who are are struggling finding this new routine. As I think we all have, what would be two or three guiding principles to help them be able to better adapt? And at what point do you think they should look at? Okay, you know what, I'm trying. I've gotten to this point, my race is this many weeks away, I need professional help, either a pre-made program from somebody who knows what they're talking about, or maybe hiring a coach as a consultant, which a lot of people don't know you can do. You can build your training plan and hire most of us, uh, I think we'll do a consult and just share. But what would be two or three guiding principles for the listeners who are self-coached to, to find and adapt into that new routine so they can see better performances? Yeah. Well, first off, they just need to be realistic. I think a lot of um, age groupers uh, who aren't getting any structure or guidance or benefit from someone who's kind of got coaching qualifications, they just think more is more, and they have to, and they just throw a load of volume at it, and they end up end up like just junk training. So, be realistic about what you can train, um, and have a kind of structure about how, what how that works for you. So, there's no point in giving yourself. A a long run on a Monday if you know your day is bananas and you're going to always miss that session and that's stressful um, so, and so and be honest with the amount of training you have uh, training capability you have um, and then just build out your plan to to be in a, a progressive way that you're, you're and you're another thing which age groupers tend not to do if they're left on their own devices they don't train to their weaknesses and, and they they always go oh yeah, so I did four sins this week. I'm feeling great. Okay, cool. What's your strongest discipline? Oh, yeah, yeah. I come out of the water always under 30 minutes in the 70.3. I die on the bike. Oh, okay. So again, another bit of honesty is train to your weaknesses, race to your strengths. And don't do that. And that's what a coach will always do for them. They go, look, 
we don't need you're getting away with two swims and i'm giving you four bikes as in let's and you go like oh but i don't like the bike that's because you haven't done enough of it and again monitoring it and looking at having kind of milestones in there might be like run tests ftp tests and see whether or not what they're doing is working and if it's not stop foot on ball readjust and then try something different because what's that einstein do with this Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different results. Don't do that. Make sure you are pushing yourself in the right direction. That last point, I think, the foot on the brake and full stop, it, it seems that, and I could be very wrong here, it seems that in triathlon in specific, taking, you know, we have a, a guest coming up, but she calls them uh, cheetah pauses. But essentially, you know, a cheetah is a, a apex predator, not because of how fast it can accelerate, but because it can decelerate nine miles an hour in one stride and, and very agile. Triathletes are like greyhounds. They just go fast in one direction. And as soon as you say, you got to stop, they just keep going, right? It's like the wily coyote where the roadrunner is their fitness. It just, you know, he stops. How, how can the, are there any warning signs the listeners should, should keep an eye open? Because I, I know personally, a couple have written out to me and saying they don't do FTP tests. They kind of look at their, uh, monthly performance and kind of gauge it that way. Are there any yellow flags or giant red flags that kind of sneak up that you found as a coach that may surprise the listeners and help them to be able to identify that? Um, yeah, there's well, the fact that they they're afraid of doing a test is 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 a flag for me. And um, tests are like mini races, and whilst you may never look forward to them, they're always rewarding afterwards. Um, so don't be afraid of a test. Um, it's only going to be a line to sand and people go, oh, my FTP was like 200 watts. And like, oh, do you know what? That's just, like, it doesn't matter what you started with. It's what you, how you improve. Um, and if you're doing the test and they're not improving, then you're doing the wrong training. Um, and also if they're, if they find themselves skipping certain sessions all the time regularly and go like, oh yeah, the, I know, I, I, I know I, I, I've planned to do tempo runs every Wednesday. And I've done, I, I tend to do more recovery. And you go like, yeah, I, I, my legs are sore. So, well, again, I don't wonder why you're not running a faster 10K off the bike in an Olympic. Like, you got to put the, the hard work in. And it's, those are the kind of flags. If you miss stuff, you're not afraid to test. And you're afraid of actually looking hard at your numbers. If you're self-coaching, don't be surprised if you're plateauing, if you're not getting PBs every year. Because the ones who know when to train hard, as in which other hard sessions, and the ones who train easy, which are the recovery and where you're kind of you're banking uh, in the bank of baseland. And um, those are what guys who actually do well. And, and like yourself, coaches, self coach athletes can do well, but it's it's a little bit harder on them because there's no coach looking out and going, come on, why did we miss the tempo run again today? And you got like, oh, OK, coach. And you will do it because you don't want to have that conversation a third time. But I have the voice inside my head, Steve. Yes. And you shut it up with another coffee. <laughs> 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 yeah so we always have to try angel and to try devil you need to go look listen we listen to the angel this day and the day we'll, we'll race and you have to get away from the devil and that will get you to pb well steve this has been absolutely great uh i think we've covered a lot here and it sounds like you have uh some growing opportunities for the individuals uh the listeners out there to connect with you uh can you share the youtube channel as well as where the folks can connect with you and your uh pre-made plans yeah, so if you want to, my main website is www.smartendurancesolutions.com. And um, again, that's uh, that's where the plans are. They're also available on Training Peaks. Um, 
my YouTube handle is at Coach Steve Moody. Um, said I'm actually running a competition on that, by the way. If um, anyone signs up in the next couple of days, they get entered into a, a draw for a bag of my free merchandise. I've got new tri suits coming out, um, tops, which is kind of cool. It's the first season I've actually got branded gear, so I feel like I've really arrived. Um, so if you want to sign up and uh, email me info at smartendurancesolutions.com that you've registered. Um, I'll put you in a draw. I'm going to do that on YouTube as well and uh, hopefully get some people racing in my kit this season. Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us and uh, looking forward to hearing uh, about great things here with you and your guys in the coming year and years, I should say. Brilliant. Thanks very much for having me. It was great to have a chat. That's it for this episode. Check out humanvortextraining.com for more great content and to keep learning.